Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Cynthia Drabot has worked in the world of social services for nearly 25 years and fought for social justice for pretty much her entire life. She's a leader in the not-for-profit sector and currently executive director of the North End Women's Centre in Winnipeg. We all have sisters, we all have mothers, we have, we have women in our life who are important to us. I always try to look at what group am I not part of that I don't understand because I'm not part of. So I think that we have, but we have to listen when people speak about their own experience. Yeah. All I would say is just be open to listening. Cynthia was also one of the winners of the Winnipeg Foundation's Fast Pitch 2018 competition, where she shared her story about losing her husband to cancer in just five short months. I sat down with Cynthia to talk about dealing with grief and loss, the fight for social equity, and her life lived in support and in service of those in need. Because together, we can ensure that women and their children have safe spaces to heal and grow. Cynthia Drabat, Executive Director of the North End Women's Centre. Uh, thank you for joining us on Because and Effect. I've wanted to talk to you at, in depth pretty much ever since I heard your story. So mm. maybe just for people who weren't at Fast Pitch, give, it, give us a little history of, of, uh, of your professional career and your education career and how you got to be the Executive Director of the North End Women's Centre. Give us a little, sure. little backstory. Sure. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, so I have been interested in working with people for my entire career. Um, 24 years ago, I was in university trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I came across a volunteer opportunity on a bulletin board uh, in one of the faculties. And it was to work with youth as a mentor. So youth involved in the criminal justice system. And so I thought, mm, that sounds interesting. Let's go see what I think. So I went and I did it and I loved it. I absolutely loved working with um, people who um, not everybody necessarily wanted to work with or thought of working with. And so that became my first exposure to sort of social services, social work type of work. So um, I started as a volunteer and that led to employment. Um, that was at McDonald Youth Services quite a few years ago. And then worked through various pieces there. Um, I ended up knowing that I wanted to um, lead in the not-for-profit world. I wanted to support other people to find their voice and mm -hmm. to find um, ways of supporting each other and build community. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I knew I wanted to figure out. So I went to the United Way and I worked there for a little while, which was a great experience because it gave me the funder side of things mm -hmm. in order to better understand the world of social services and also the world of funder and donors, yeah. donor relations. And from there, I ended up at uh, North End Women's Center. I've been there for over five years. Crazy. So that's been incredible. For so sure. that's kind of been my how I've got to being where I am now. When you say people wouldn't want to work with, with some of these youth or some of these people, is that just because they're difficult? Like, is, is it just harder to work with that? Or, or people feel like it's, it's maybe a lost cause? That's a very, yeah. you know... I I think judgment. Judge, I think, I think yeah, comment, yeah. I but. think that I think that our world, unfortunately, is 
can be, not mm. everybody, but can be judgmental. I think that people even don't intend to be judgmental, but they are because mm. of things that they've read, things they've seen, experiences they've had, right. um, things that they've been taught through school or family or media. Um, so I think that there, you know, when, when it was first this opportunity of working with youth involved in the criminal justice system, you know, when I told people I was going to go do this, I remembered there being some reaction, well, be careful, right? right? right. That type of yeah. thing. So that's what I mean. That's what I mean by, um, by people that not everybody would yeah. want to work with. Is there a way to <clears throat> inspire empathy without actually having that lived experience or, or speaking to people with lived experience? Like, is there a way to encompass these lessons by actually by not actually being face-to-face or does it have to be that face-to-face experience you know what i i don't know you'd have to ask someone who maybe hasn't had Mm -hmm. as many face-to-face experiences um but what i can say is that um i through the work that i've done for 24 years um i've never met a person who wasn't a great person yeah you know they had a circumstance and things that um either happened to them or or situations they were put in mm-hmm. without choice or um that kind of led them to where they were at when they were experiencing challenges and i and i worked with them mm-hmm. but i would say at north and women's center i work with so many women and their families mm-hmm. in so many different situations um that there, there, there's, there's a variety of reasons why people come to a place like North and Women's Center, for example. Yeah, give me some of those reasons. Like, why, why do people come? Yeah, the well, doors? maybe you know what? Maybe I'll go back to the piece about the fast pitch. Sure. Um, yeah. A, a big uh, one of the things that happened to me was um, about uh, two and a half years ago. My partner was diagnosed with cancer, and it was very, very quick, and it was very, very sudden. And cancer can be uh, very, very aggressive, and in our situation, it was. Um, and so from the point of diagnosis, Aaron passed away within uh, five months of diagnosis. And so I have never personally experienced a loss of that magnitude. And so to be, you know, 43 years old and lose your life partner, someone that you plan to spend your entire life with. Mm-hmm. Um, and for um, in my situation, um, we lived together with his kids 50% of the time. And... Um, you know, they have a mum, And so in that situation, when he passed away, I not only lost him, but I lost my family right. because the kids then, because of their loss and their trauma and grief mm-hmm. that they were going through, they needed to be with their mother, right? For, yeah. for that amount of time and cling to that, mm-hmm. um, or for whatever reason that was. So I experienced this immense loss and I, I, I was surrounded with people, family, friends, and a community that supported me and understood and wasn't afraid to mm. talk about the about loss right. and about grief. So there, so those are things that we support a lot at North End Women's mm. Center. Just creating um, a safe space for people to be able to express and just say, "Here's what's happening." Absolutely, and, and be not not judged. Absolutely, yeah. right. And and the idea that you know, I thought about you know a huge loss that happened to me losing a partner, um, but we we have women who come to the center who. You know, we've had situations where someone will walk in and say, in the last month, I've lost five people because of the, wow. because of the circumstance in their life at that time. Mm-hmm. So they may have lost someone to cancer. They may have lost someone to homicide. They may have lost someone to suicide. And this has all happened in four weeks. Right. And wow. so then you think about, 
um, you know, having to have places in the community to mm -hmm. support people during those kind of times of, of, of loss. How do you deal with daily trauma and, and, you know, these instances where you're not experiencing it firsthand, but certainly, you know, you, you have empathy for these people and, and you're seeing that day to day, how, how do you stay sane with, mm -hmm. with knowing sort of the, and seeing the worst in the world sometimes, but being able to help them too. I also get to see the best. Right. Um, I, I get to see the good things that happen when people come together and are supported. I get to see the amazing um, steps that people take when they... And they, the growth probably The growth too, yeah. and, and when they embrace, you know, their healing journey, whatever that might be for them for whatever reason that they need to heal. Um, I get to see the transformation that mm -hmm. happens. And we see that every day. Um, or we get to see people, even at a minimum, have a safe place to be right. to get through. Yeah. Right? Well, it seems like every situation is going to be, you'd have to customize care and mm -hmm. customize a situation for every single person that comes through the door because it's going to be completely different whether there's mm -hmm. kids involved or not, you know, and whatever sort of length they are going on there or at what point they're they are on their journey mm -hmm. so how does the north end women's center kind of customize the care for each person yeah um we have a variety of programs all have a little bit of a different focus but they're all really connected so um, because it's really hard to say what does someone need to heal or yeah. what does someone need to move forward because everyone's different too. right yeah, so just... we provide variety but then we also try to make sure that our programs work across each other and can people can move through programs and around. We also refer tons to the community and partner with a lot of other agencies that do similar but different work. Um, and I would say, you know, I have like an amazing team of staff that are doing with amazing openness to people, mm -hmm. uh, care and compassion in, in their hearts. Yeah. Um, and we work a lot to... Um, our goal, and it's not always easy, but our goal and our focus is really to work on how do we, um, how do we move the trauma through us as well so that we're not affected by all of that and then can't provide healthy, great right. service. Because you're so, crying, you know, you can't be crying when they're crying, right? right? Exactly. Like, yeah. So, and I mean, we do, we will, we'll yeah. cry with people when mm -hmm. we, we need to cry with people because that's about, that's about that shared empathy and yeah. shared experience, but we're, we're very, um, you know, we're very focused on strength and resilience mm -hmm. and, um, empowering situations. We're not, um, we try not, I mean, we focus on the trauma and we help people go there and we also help them connect to whatever it is that's going to help them move through the trauma. Mm -hmm. it, when they're ready, if they're ready, right? So, right. I mean, there's so many things. I think we so meet, many factors we meet people where they're at because it's not our agenda. Yeah, It's their agenda. And when they walk through our door or call us, we respond to that. To dedicate your life to in the, essentially in the service of others, especially in the service of those most in need, it takes in a tremendous amount of strength. Um, how have you seen... You said you've been doing this for 24, 25 years. Mm -hmm. How have you seen it sort of evolve in the social services realm, like really big picture? Has it become, like, obviously there's more education. We understand how trauma affects people now a little bit better. Yeah. But how have you seen sort of the, the care evolve? How have you seen the situation evolve in Winnipeg? 
Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I think the one of the best things that we see is the recognition um, of the impact of uh, colonization, mm. residential schools, right. just that um, context, historical right? trauma, yeah, yeah. absolutely, and seeing the value of um, connection to culture mm. that uh, that supports healing for many people. Um, that has been a a really great evolution. Uh, didn't exist twenty four years ago. Well, we didn't know that that how disconnecting people from their culture, yeah. how damaging that would be. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and had an, and uh, so that absolutely is amazing and great. A lot of work to do still, yeah, but, sure. but great. Progress has slightly been absolutely. made. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say I've also seen a lot of things come full circle, right? Um, you, things that, you know, you may have done years ago went on a different route, changed courses a bit, tried mean? something different. Um, I don't know. Like there's sometimes things that I feel, you know, are consistently helpful and work. Mm -hmm. And so, so things come back, ah, um, okay. you know, maybe if it doesn't of, work at this point, it might, it, it might work, work down the, the road yeah. or, or, you know, things that were sometimes things evolve and get renamed, you know, so you mm. may call it something 20 years ago gotcha. and now it's called something new and it's a little more in depth because there's been more evaluation, there's been more research, there's been more. Um, I would say something that I think is really, really great over the last while too that's come back uh, more solidly is uh, the honoring of lived experience mm -hmm. um, and realizing that there is uh, the need for people with lived experience to guide and direct how work is done yeah. in the community and realizing that there's value in that. And it's not just education that creates great programs and great environments mm -hmm. for people. It's also people who have been through those experiences and are at a place of healing where they can now give back and support people. It's kind of the old um, street smarts versus book smarts, right? right? Like yeah. it, it, there's certainly lots to be said of the sort of psychology, psychology textbooks and what we should Absolutely. do, but until you've really lived it, there, you, that, that that's invaluable. Really. Absolutely, yeah. you, and you need a combination right. because people are all different, and people all need different things. So that's the other thing. Our programs, we have a variety of types of ways to approach healing, so that um, people have choice. Mm -hmm. When ha, has there ever been a situation where you you kind of were at the end of your rope and didn't know what else to do? Like, what do you, have you ever been in that? moment where there's I, I i've done all i can like what do you what do you do in those moments hmm. uh no there no uh yeah there's there's like maybe moments not <laughs> not prolonged Frust frustrated moments yeah. um or moments when you think oh my gosh what do we do with this what do we do next uh how do we handle this with the, with the most care and concern you seem you seem to believe that no one is beyond saving or no one is mm. beyond redemption no one is beyond no, you know no. everyone is every, well yeah. every everybody everybody um finds their way when they're ready is is what we see right mm -hmm. i mean i think that's what what i've seen um like i i i would say i have um it being an, an executive director role is tricky because mm -hmm. you don't have you can't talk to um a lot of people because you you're managing you're managing everybody yeah. and you so you can't talk to your managers even about certain situations or you can't talk to your staff teams so i have a couple of uh other like direct executive directors at other agencies who are my sounding board mm. and who uh and when I say sounding board, I mean for, for solutions. We really talk to each other and support each other in this is a situation we're in. 
like any idea right. what would you do have you, or have have you, you done any, this before yeah, yeah. yeah have you been so, in this situation and then yeah i feel that that's a really big important piece of of what needs to continue to happen in the social service world because we're all doing ed's jobs are very very big it's often hr it's it it's you know um everything programming and yeah. and everything finances right so For you've sure. got to you've got to support each other but i've never felt that something was insurmountable. Like a, yeah, no, there's always a solution. Like yeah. there's always something. Is it always the right one? Not necessarily. Right. But at least and, then you, try something. and then you learn from yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. And then you change it up the next time. Do you think um, being able to have the soundboard and have these connections is unique to Winnipeg? Or do you think that's sort of a, a universal thing for the social services industry, as you it were? You know what? I don't know because I've only worked here. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that um, when I've been to other provinces for uh, training opportunities, um, there's been a desire to stay connected, say, through social media mm -hmm. to continue the conversations that started, say, at training or, right. or development sessions. So I think that it's, I think people want that. There's an I appetite. Think, for there sure. is, yeah. yeah. People are looking to connect. People are looking to solve things together, not by themselves. Do you think that the average citizen... Um, has a role to play when it comes to helping uh, women and children and, and men that are in uh, traumatic situations like this? And, and, and how would you address just the average person, Joe on the street, when it comes to uh, these difficult situations? Yeah, I think um, everybody has a role to play. I think um, if we talk about reconciliation, we all have roles to play in uh, moving forward as a community. Um, I believe that uh, people... If you don't seek out learning about other people and you just stay within your bubble mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> of the world. Especially that you, these days. Yeah, yeah, if you stay in the bubble of the world you know. I mean, it can be anything from who you, you know, interact with, places you go, what areas of the city that you uh, go into. It can be what you follow on social media or don't follow. It Like, there's so many ways to isolate yourself or open yourself up. So I think that... For people who want to know more and want to learn more, um, I do think there's ways to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that it is everybody's responsibility to do. I don't think that everybody sees that, though. Mm -hmm. I think we, when we work in the field and you do this work, um, it's your life. You're right. exposed to it because of the work you do, mm -hmm. and it's amazing um, and can be amazing. I don't know how you move people to wanting to do that more sometimes, right. though, if it's not a focus of theirs, because they yeah. have their own life they're focused For sure. on. Absolutely. Yeah, there definitely seems to be just sort of, I don't know if it's a political divide or just a, a societal divide of one group says, that's not my problem. I have my own problems. Mm -hmm. I, can, I need to take care of my own. Mm -hmm. And there's some people who think we need to take care of everyone mm -hmm. because that, that's just all that matters. But yeah. like, how do you bridge that divide? Is yeah. it possible? Or yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we have a lot of donors that donate to our right. center and they may um, come from different backgrounds mm -hmm. and different areas of the city and different um, circumstances. Right. And so we use that as an opportunity to have people come in and learn about what we do. Don't just give us money. Right. Come in and find yeah, out what see. we do. See our environment. Yeah. Meet, meet, meet some people. Um, get an idea of what you're supporting because I think that that's important. Yeah. Um, I think that 
I think people need to make decisions to open themselves up to things they don't know, right? Mm -hmm. If you just focus on what you know, um, I mean, I know I'm, I, I, because I work at North End Women's Center, it's on Selkirk Avenue, I still get people who say, oh, you know, are you okay right. with going to work? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Are you okay with going to yeah. work? Like, what do you mean I, by I'm that? okay yeah. with going to work. Like, it, it, I don't have any problem uh, working on Selkirk Avenue. Mm -hmm. it, it, it actually is one of the friendliest streets you will ever walk down. So when I have meetings in the North End, if I leave enough time to get there, I'll walk to them. I don't take my car. I have a car. I take a car, but yeah. I don't. I don't take my car to meetings. I walk down the street, and on Selkirk Avenue, you'll have more people say hi to you when you walk by than you will on other streets. And so, but people don't necessarily walk down yeah, Selkirk Avenue. They don't Avenue, experience it, right? So, they don't yeah. experience it, so All they, they hear, don't know. Yeah, you just hear like a, a news yeah. report and there once are, a month or there's whatever. There's challenges yeah, yeah, in yeah. the community too, and mm -hmm. so I I understand why people from what they hear in the media might be scared of something like that, but um, it, it's a, such a different experience when you're in it. So if you could put if you could put up billboards everywhere throughout Winnipeg and just have a little phrase to, to sort of help your cause, what would, what would the billboard say? Um, you know, for me right now, my cause is, is women mm -hmm. and supporting women and their families. Um, and that's because, um, and I, I think my billboard would be is how do we get people to recognize that women are still far behind mm. and not playing on an equal playing field um, because there's historical pieces that haven't caught up yet. Well, the system is still set up by it a is. group that had an advantage. Absolutely. So if the system is still in place, Absolutely. then the people who were disadvantaged at the at the time that the system was put in place would still be in that position that's right but i and think people are starting to kind of understand that and it's starting to move in the right direction but you're right it, yeah but at the there. end of the day the systems are set up to keep continuing that right. and then ego comes into mm. effect and people in positions of power um are afraid to lose it lose it yeah. um and and not even and i don't even think people realize they're doing things but it's unintentional sometimes even because of fear. If yeah. you fear something, you react to it. And what will that look like? And sometimes people fear change and sometimes Definitely. people fear, um, yeah, those kinds of pieces. So I think for me is understanding that um, like places like us exist because um, women still do need supports because of uh, the disadvantage that we're still at. Mm -hmm. How can... If a, if, a, if a man is listening to this right now and is kind of maybe rolling his eyes or thinking mm -hmm. like, come on, what, what the heck, what would you say to that person? Mm. Um, I would say, you know, that I think um, many, I mean, we all, we all have sisters, we all have mothers, or, or you know, we have, we have women in our life who are important to us, um, our daughters. And um, I think that unless you're, I guess for me, I always try to look at what group am I not part of that I don't understand because I'm not part of. Mm. And I could never walk, I could never speak to what it would like to be, even be a man, right? right so I'm right, not right, suggesting right. that I know no, because yeah. I don't know. So I think that we have, but we have to listen when people speak about their own experience. Yeah. All I would say is just be open to listening. Right. And and you, sometimes we can't put ourselves in other people's shoes. Mm -hmm. That's the challenge. Yeah, is you can't really put yourself in other people's shoes if you haven't been there. So how do you open yourself up to listening to someone's perspective? 
how do you? How do you? Right. That's a rhetorical question. Right. right. Yeah. So my, my, I guess my encouragement would be just to be more open Mm -hmm. and to talk to people in your life who about their experience and where they experience those things. You know, right now, um, I get to work in an all women's organization Mm -hmm. and I love it. I love it because, um, we do such amazing things together. If I was working in a different environment, I'm sure I would have different challenges right. than I have in the work world right now. For so sure. I even can't speak to that because I don't I don't live in that right now. So I wouldn't speak to that because it's not my reality right now. A very illuminating moment in my life was a couple a few years ago. Um, I play on a co-ed volleyball team, yeah. and uh, we were out for drinks after a game, and and we somehow the conversation got to going about I don't know how how to phrase it uh, like casual. Uh, assaults that mm-hmm. the girls on our team have gone through mm-hmm. and it was jaw-dropping mm-hmm. just like on the bus or on the on a plane somewhere walking down the street and I had literally no idea and it was just so eye-opening that every single girl there was probably six or seven girls yeah. on, uh, sitting around the table each of them had multiple stories yeah. and I was like oh my god I had no idea and mm-hmm. I felt like ashamed that I was in my own little bubble that I didn't realize how much of an epidemic it was mm-hmm. and that's only you know I call it casual yeah. sexism or, or whatever you want to call it yeah. but like there is so much worse going on and, and I can't imagine the trauma that you you've seen over the 20 years and, in this and, world. And when I worked in places where, you know, I worked with men, like men as well, um, I had to endure com- it's comments, it's subtleties, mm. it's things that are said that, you know, I don't, I, I either, either men know they're doing it and, and it does, I don't know, right. or they don't even realize they're doing it. And that's the kind of stuff that I think, is still there. That's the kind of stuff that's still prevalent. That's the kind of stuff that people still need to deal with. When we talk about, in my situation right now, when I'm talking about why a women's center is in place. And historically, I'll give you a a story. When I was uh, in high school, I was taking um, a math course. I was taking math in high school. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a teacher who, when I failed a math test, stapled a hairdressing application to my failed math test. And he would staple a hairdresser application to the girls' tests who failed, and he would staple a domo application to the... Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, this happened to me. And so I... But so in that circumstance, I was so enraged by, number one, the fact that he was trying to belittle me by stapling some sort of application, the judgment that working at Domo or being a hairdresser was bad. Um, And so my friends will tell the story to this day of how I walked up and approached him and said, how dare you do this to me? Mm -hmm. Who do you think you are? And what's so bad about being a hairdresser? And I I kind of did that. That's so crazy. And so, you know, I think that for me, if I think back, that was a, a pivotal moment for me when I realized that People were going to try to stop me. And he and at that point he was trying to convince me to take a lower math course. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I didn't. I kept going. But how many that's I also the opposite of a teacher. Right? That's teacher the opposite of what? But that's yeah. the kind of things that a lot of us have grown up with, yeah. right? Those are the kinds of influences that we've had and people trying to push hold, us hold down, down instead yeah. of of, of raise us up, right? Yeah. So I that example, I mean, everybody always has the reaction you have, yeah. but it happened, and it happened over and over and over. And 
it never got stopped. He did right. it every year for years and years. He was known as the teacher who did that. And it happened to me. I often, when I had some sort of personality in me that fought that, and the more people tried to push me down, the yeah. more I fought to get ahead. Where do you think that ahead. comes from? Like, I don't know. I, I think it's my... I, I think it's, you know, some of, some of it's born in me, some of it's some of the experiences I've had, um, some of it's, um, yeah, my opportunities that I, that I had because of being in some situations of privilege. Um, but I often wonder about, you know, who did that, who, who got those things, you know, stapled to their math test. Who, and then just sunk who, their head. Yeah. And, and then didn't, didn't try, didn't try and gave up. And yeah. Right. Do you think you're better equipped to go through your own personal trauma? Like that's unimaginable pain. Um, are you glad that you sort of have the education that you had so you can almost use it on yourself? Or do you think that it's a detriment because now you're like, okay, well, now I'm going to feel X, Y, Z. Or do you think it's a better thing? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that you have all the training that you do um, personally? I think it's whatever you make it. So I think people can have all the training in the world. And if you don't apply it to yourself, knowing and doing are two really different mm -hmm. things. So um, for myself, um, I continue to seek out help. I continue to go for counseling for my grief and loss. Um, I continue to do that so that I can move forward in life, so that I can still be a, a great leader and do the job that I need to do mm -hmm. um, in a place that often reminds me of what I'm also going through. Um, so right. when I'm being triggered, I need to figure out how to how to deal with that and, and move forward, right. but also feel it and also be okay with mm -hmm. that. Not um, ignore and push away. Not ignore and push down. away. Yeah. The one thing that I I believe and I've learned I'm learning is that you can't uh, you can't get over loss and mm -hmm. grief. You have to uh, take it in and you have to go through it and you have to get under it. Um, that, those are, that's what I'm trying to do. I think that you can very easily push it aside and ignore it, but we know that um, if we look at the legacy of residential schools and we look at trauma and we look at all kinds of different traumas as well, if people ignore stuff, it comes back. You Somehow, can't ignore, worse. or it affects you in different ways. Mm -hmm. It will affect you emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and physically mm -hmm. in different ways that don't, that you don't even know what it's connected to, but you become ill, for example, yeah. right? And where's that coming from? And we're learning more about that yeah. now too. It's, that's very interesting stuff to Absolutely. me, you know, like the ability for the mind to affect the body. Yes. It's very yeah. intriguing. Yeah. Why, why do you think, um, you mentioned you seek out help for when you need it. Why do you think it's so hard for people to, to admit that they need help or just to ask for help in, in some situations? Um, I mean, I think we, I think we're getting better as a society at recognizing, uh, what mental health is, uh, how, um, addiction is connected to, uh, trauma mm -hmm. and mental health and and the the connection of all of those things yeah. i think we're getting better at talking about wellness and mental well-being um I but so i too. think there's still but i but but it depends on where you come from it That's depends true. on your family it yeah. depends on your community it depends on what you've been taught it yeah, depends sure. on uh judgments that have been put on you mm -hmm. so we're only 
starting yeah, to Yeah, it seems like the infancy stages of yeah. the whole universe of wellness. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so how do you... And you need to be okay with being vulnerable mm-hmm. and 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 showing that you're not like... I think also from a patriarchal perspective, like the idea of putting down ego... Mm. And sucking it up yeah like yeah. suck it up yeah. move on you'll be fine you'll yeah, be fine yeah, yeah. we know that that's not we're now knowing that that isn't true and it's affecting <laughs> it's everybody not yeah. just women it's yeah. affecting everybody so i think that we need to just get better at being okay with asking for help yeah. recognizing when we have it and encouraging each other yeah. to seek it out yeah, definitely. That seems to be the the every person I talk to, whether it's depression or anxiety mm-hmm. or anything, the first and best thing that almost everyone has said is just talk to one person. That's if right. you can talk to one person, that kind of sets the snowball. If, even if they can't personally help you, they yeah. can find someone who will and you don't have to you can share the burden a little and bit. It it's really, not even a burden. And it releases it for yes. the first time. Yeah. yeah. A, a a big part of it that I've heard as well is people are scared that oh, I don't want to I don't want someone to to, I don't want their my problems to be their problems. Right. But every time anyone has come to me with a situation like that, I felt honored. Mm-hmm. I feel so thankful, and like I'm, I want to do everything I can to help that person. It's not, I would never feel that it was a, a burden at all. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you? What would you say to someone who's listening right now, who's in a situation that needs help, doesn't know where to get it, mm-hmm. and is just at the end of their rope? Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I mean, I would say. Um, that there are a lot of great support services out there. Um, if you if you have someone you can talk to, family, friend, neighbor, you know, person you know from a community center or a, um, or someone involved in your life in some way, um, just to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also support services in place. So you know, with us, it's it's for North End Women's Center. It's as simple as you can phone us. Yeah. Or you can walk through the door and just say hi. And you can sit down on the couch and have a cup of coffee and not even ask Engage, for anything. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can watch the TV and have coffee. But then you can ask what we do next time you yeah. come in or before you leave or grab our pamphlets or just talk to the people that are there. What are some of the biggest barriers from keeping people to come th- coming through those doors, whether they're internal, external, emotional, physical, yeah. what are some of those barriers? Well, probably people knowing where to go for what. Mm. I mean, I think that there's, there's, um, you know, if people don't have a phone, it's not, we can say, pick up the call, phone and call us. Right, yeah, yeah. But, but that's but a if privilege. You but if you, right, right, if you don't have a phone, you can't really do that. Um, if you don't have a bus pass or a bus or, or transportation to get around or someone to take you, you can't walk through the door necessarily if yeah. you don't live a couple blocks away mm-hmm. um, or if accessibility is an issue or, you know, those Transport kinds of or anything. Absolutely, yeah. all yeah. those things. So those are some of the barriers. But I think... Uh, what about internally, like emotionally yeah. or mentally? Yeah, I mean, people need to be ready, right? Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes when you are depressed or you are grieving or you're going through loss or you uh, have anxiety or you're experiencing panic attacks or you're you're suffering from an addiction and you're um, um, or you're being sexually exploited or you're uh, homeless. Um, or I'm, you know, the listing list off on. all, yeah. all the things that we, that we support people in. Um, you know, it takes a lot of energy to ask for help. 
right? You're tired. Right. It's not a <laughs> You're priority. tired. You're exhausted. You're trying to get through day to day. You're trying to just figure to out what to just do to, next. Just to survive. Absolutely, right? So that's why I would say the first step of just um, what we hear from people is that just walking through the door sometimes and making, like the first step is usually the hardest and that mm. might sound kind of cliche and weird, but it it is it is the only thing that people can do is make yeah. a first step. So making a first step and trying something. And sometimes I would say too is people think if they try something once and it doesn't work that they shouldn't try it again. You have to be, you have unfortunately healing is about finding the right thing at the right, right or time. Or if that didn't work, I'm broken. Nothing will fix me. Right. right. No. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's, you're not ready at that given time. Mm -hmm. And I know even we have people who come through our center who have been coming and taking our workshops or groups for, for years mm. because they might take grief and loss 10 years ago. And then they might come in and take a mental health and well-being group the next year mm -hmm. and then the next year they might take a dealing with anger group and then mm. the next year they might come back and take a domestic violence awareness group and then they might be ready then they might realize that they actually they do have an addiction right. and that the addiction has heavily impacted huh. their life and they were using whatever they were using to cope with trauma so then they might end up being in a trauma group so it is healing especially with so many layers long term too. you know historical types of trauma they're deep. Like generational. Absolutely. Yeah. They're deep and they're long. And there's nothing wrong with being, needing to continually get help over your lifetime. Yeah, exactly. So I think that would be one of the things that I would say. Mm -hmm. It's okay to need help. It's okay to always need help. Yeah. It's okay to always need to get help. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay to keep asking and it's okay to repeat. To try we have new, people try who repeat too. our groups yeah. and they get more things out of it every time they do it because they're at a different stage. Right. I think removing shame and guilt, like... So many people feel shame because whether it's internal that they put that on themselves or it's that someone else has made them feel that way, right. both of those exist. And so if we can have people um, not get rid of it, because I'm not saying yeah. that's easy to do, but not let the Don't shame let it hinder you. Don't let yeah, it hinder you. stop you yeah. from making a step for you. Yeah. It's incredible work that you're doing. It's 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 inspiring every time I get to talk to you. So oh. thank you for for uh, I love, taking the time. I love what I do. <laughs> I can tell. And you I can love see the it in your eyes. That I work with. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the end of every conversation we have, we have a little thing called mm -hmm. "Just Because," where we're, I'm going to ask you seven quick questions, okay. and uh, don't think about it too much. Just kind of give whatever pops pops into your head. <clears throat> so the first one: What is the first cause that you remember caring about way back in the way back when you were uh, getting things stapled to your math test, or even before that? Well, you know, I think that that uh, example actually probably... That was, the, that was the kicker? It would have been the first time I realized like that my cause was about fighting for people to be treated fairly, justly, and equally in some, some way. Yeah. Um, because it was done to me, and I saw it being done to other people. And it's interesting because when it's done to you, you feel it so oh, differently. Yeah. So that probably would have been my first deep, deep, deep yeah. dive into that. Very yeah. cool. Um, so if money, politics, logistics were no issue at all, you had free reign, you were the queen of the world. Yeah. What's the first thing you would do in support of that cause? Um, oh, I wish that we could remove people's biases mm. about... 
um, other people. Yeah. And, and I wish that we could want, I wish that we could want to live more equally and respectfully and kindly with each other. And those might sound like simple words, but they're not. not yeah. I mean that with depth. I mean, um, you know, truly respecting each other and not making excuses like, you know, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned the piece about, you know, if, if someone was listening to this and rolling their eyes, mm -hmm. right? I wish we didn't roll just our eyes. Just check that moment. Right. Yeah, just, why am why I am rolling I my eyes? Yeah. Why am I reacting yeah. to that? Where did I get where, that belief? Yeah. Where's yeah. that coming from for me? So I, if I could get people to, like, I just feel like we, we wouldn't have half of the issues we have today if we were just more open to each other. Couldn't yeah. agree more. What's the biggest misunderstanding and or stigma surrounding this cause? Um, so, well, I mean, I think the cause around, you know, equality and maybe specifically for me with women, um, I think probably the biggest stigma is not understanding that there's a starting point, um, there's a continuum of where people are at and mm. where they started. Okay. And not understanding that some people, women, especially, um, and if we talk about indigenous women and women of color, um, trans women, are start, there, there's a different starting point right. than, than mm. men, for example. Yeah. So I think if we could get people to understand that and remove the stigma, and maybe in this situation, I don't know if it's a stigma, but that everybody everything is actually equal and we have all these right. programs that we're all, we're help all humans we're so all humans we? we're yeah, all yeah, equal yeah, yeah. and everything's set up equally and there's so many things supporting people to be equal but that's not, not we're not the there case. yet yeah. that's not really the case so if people could understand that yeah this next question might i think i kind of asked it before but how do you know when it's time to throw in the towel and yeah. just say, well, maybe let's frame it this way. How do you know when it's time to try something else? Mm -hmm. when, 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 a, when a treatment or whatever maybe isn't taking? Uh, you know, uh, I would say like for us at the center and for me uh, being there now for five years, we know when it's time to change because our community tells us. Mm. We're, 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 we've got um, people don't just come to us because we're their helpers. They come to engage in their healing, right? So... And maybe shape the and how shape the healing it. looks. Absolutely. So we actually get people to evaluate all our programs and give us feedback. And we really, really gain that. We do that in a few different ways. And, and then we look at that and we incorporate that. So to me, there's never a time to throw in the towel. But there is, it is, it is important to change, change because the community is changing. It's a constant evolution. It's, it has to be, yeah. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? I don't know. I've had so many advice, so much advice given. Um, you know, maybe I'll tie this to my parents. My parents were business owners. And because of being entrepreneurial business owners, um, they always told, I remember I was a kid growing up in a bakery, right, Ooh. with them and helping behind the till from you know, the age of whatever to whatever, till 11 when we, they got out of that business. But they always used to talk about customer service and the customer being right and the value of treating the customer well. And so I think that when I think sometimes about my purpose in not-for-profit is that we always treat our participants well and that 
they they are right because mm-hmm. they're it's their it's story their it's yeah. their experience and i really really bring that to this work and so i think that that it, that advice has become really helpful in this work yeah I, I and think making so. sure that we we don't um discount the customer <laughs> in right. quotes yeah, yeah, experience yeah. and for us that's the participant experience so if someone's coming in and saying um they're not happy with how we're, what we're doing, we really need to think about why and mm-hmm. ask them why, yeah. as opposed to saying, well, sorry, this is just how it is. This is and how this we've is been what, doing it for this, 20 years. Right, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, what yeah. it is. So like, I'm really a big fan of listening to what people are telling us and then responding. And not everybody has that way of working. So that becomes something that I really try to bring to anywhere that I work for sure yeah i've always said uh everyone in the world should work in either retail or serve as a server because to have that dynamic with another human being where you are literally there to be in service of that person for the hour or whatever it is is such a humbling experience and it it, it prepares you for every job moving forward it does it does and it's a really good connection yeah yeah so take me back to when you're 11 years old behind the behind the till what advice would you give to that 11-year-old girl, if you could talk to her right now? Oh, my. Um, Well, hmm. that's a hard one, hey? Mm -hmm. And I find it really hard to think back to what we would give. I mean, I I guess I would just say stick to, stick to, like, tell people what you need, express... Uh, when you don't feel like you've been treated well, speak up. And I guess that's what I did in high school within my example. And I continue to do that. Um, Such a valuable skill for young women. Right. You know, just and, stick up for yourself. And stick up for other people. Yeah. yeah. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to be remembered for someone who, hmm, someone who is open um, who people could share anything with as far as their thoughts. So if, if people feel that I wasn't treating them well, I would want them to feel like they could talk to me about that. Um, someone who was kind, uh, someone who, um, advocated for myself and other people. Um, and someone who, like made a difference in the world, but not, but not like in a weird way, like, <laughs> like just, just, you know, contributed to the community, mm-hmm. I guess, right. To community and moving things forward and getting people probably t- to be more curious and non-judgmental. That's what I'd say. Well, I will remember you for those things. I think you you've probably made, made that mark on hundreds if not thousands of people in your work um thank you for joining us on the podcast today and telling your story and just being here with us appreciate it thank you for having me nolan 
I love talking to Cynthia. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast, Cynthia. Um, I was so happy she was able to do the podcast and really, really happy with how this conversation turned out. I walked away inspired and I hope you did too. If you or someone you know is dealing with a traumatic situation, I can pretty much guarantee you that the North End Women's Center can help uh, if you need more resources or need to learn about anything that has to do with um, some of the difficulties that Cynthia and I talked about, visit uh, newcenter.org. That's N-E-W-C-E-N-T-R-E.org. And thank you for listening. And to everyone who has subscribed uh, and has left amazing comments and kind words, if you've left reviews on iTunes or sent me any messages of support, it's incredibly humbling. And I'm so thankful to hear all of the kind words and i'm so thankful to get to do this every week um so thanks for all the comments thank you for subscribing uh it's really really making this uh, worthwhile all music on the because and effect podcast was composed and produced by trenton burton you can check out his website at trentonburton.com that's t-r-e-n-t-o-n-b-u-r-t-o-n.com the Cause and Effect is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation, with special thank you to Robert Zirk and Sonny Permolo for production assistance. My name is Nolan Bicknell. You can follow me at Nolan Bicknell on all the social media platforms, and you can follow the Winnipeg Foundation on all social media platforms at WPGFDN as well. Thanks again for listening this week. Uh, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Every Tuesday, there's new episodes. And remember, if you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong damn room. Bye-bye.